This morning, we uh, continue with our series on the minefield. Last week, Pastor Reggie shared with us the minefield of depression. And one thing really stuck out, at least in my heart and in my mind. I've read that passage several times. But the devil is just like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. He is just like a roaring lion. Because the real lion is, as we have sung, is the lion of Judah. Amen? Praise God. The minefield of depression. That tool is very effective. If the devil is able to discourage you, if the devil is able for you to be depressed, you become ineffective. You don't want to share. You don't want to talk. You don't want to come to worship. You don't want to attend your discipleship group meetings. You just want to stay in the corner and sulk. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I am alone. Even the prophet said, I am alone. That wasn't true. But he was so deep into his depression that he, th he thought he was the only one left. Who fed him? Ravens. That is in and of itself another miracle. Ravens are scavengers. They fend to eat for themselves. They don't care what they eat, but they will eat. That's their nature. But what did God do? God provided food through ravens. And if God is able to do that, my friend, if you're here this morning and you're struggling and you're discouraged or even if you're depressed, may I suggest begin to thank the Lord. By faith, just thank the Lord. Hum it. Singing, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I submit to you, little by little, if not all in a twinkling of an eye, your discouragement, your depression will leave. Because all of a sudden, your mind and your heart is in tune with how God, how good God is, and you begin to thank Him. Amen? This morning, our Minefield series continues. Do you realize that we are consuming like crazy? We have become a consumer society. Unlike in the olden days, I know because I'm old. In the olden days when you would, you know, your, your cook would go to the market, Nepakyu Mark, right? They will bring the big bags for you to have chicken. You know, dinner was going to be chicken. You know why? Because the live chicken was tied to the bayong. Right? You had to slaughter the chicken. Very seldom do you find frozen chicken in the supermarket. And you would buy only what you need. Agree? 
How many of you go to Costco? <laughs> You're very honest. When you go to Costco, what do you buy? Isn't it that you always buy in bulk? I only want to buy Lysol wipes. How many do you have to buy because you are in Costco? Minimum of three, right? I need toilet paper. Here, 64 rolls. Oh, man. You have to see the doctor. If you need 64 rolls, something is wrong. It's always in bulk because we have been so in tune to this idea of consumer mentality. Let me read for you some statistics that we are consuming like crazy and the earth can no longer, this world, this earth can no longer sustain it. Earth Overshoot Day marks the date when humanity's annual demand on nature exceeds what the earth can regenerate in that year. Earth Overshoot Day has moved from late September in 1997 to August to this year, the earliest date since the world first went into overshoot in the early 90s. In other words, humanity is currently using 1.7 times faster than the ecosystems can regenerate. This, for example, in South Korea, they need eight other countries to fulfill their needs. Japan, Switzerland, etc., etc., etc. Australia needs 5.2 Earths, etc., etc. In other words, 1.7. If we continue on this pace, this Earth cannot sustain our needs anymore. We will run out of food. We will run out of everything. Why? Because we are over-consuming everything. You want me to prove it? Just look at your trash. How much food is in your refrigerator that you have not eaten for the past week? Why? Because all the packaging is so big. And then you go there, oh, why will I buy that $1.50? Here, get out the calculator. I will prove to you this is cheaper. Three times the volume for two times the price. Oh, that's what we will buy. And then what happens? Excess. And then what happens? Trash can. We are over-consuming. Like crazy. And 1.7 times every year. Pretty soon, everything will run out. Except God. Because God doesn't run out. He continues to give. Right? The sadder thing, if not the saddest thing, is this. This consumer mentality has also crept in to the churches. People come into church for worship, and worship is giving God the due. But what has happened? People come in to get rather than to give. Consumer mentality. Let's have lights. Sounds. Let's have a concert-type worship service. Why? Because we want to attract the consumers. 
Let's water down the gospel. Let's not talk about sin. Sin is bad. Let's talk about grace. Let's talk about grace. Let's not talk about accountability. Let's not talk about being like Jesus Christ. Why? Oh, the people might not come back. Why? Consumer mentality. That's very dangerous, my friends. And these statistics will remind us that we should be careful of this mentality. We find our identity in stuff. Consumerism was the triumphant winner of the ideological war of the 20th century, beating out religion and politics as the path of millions Americans follow to find purpose, meaning, order, and transcendent exaltation in their lives. People have began to be identified by what they have. That's where you get the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. My neighbor has a new car. I have to get a new car. My neighbor has a new house. I need to get a new house. My neighbor has a new wife. I need to get a new wife. I, I, I hope June Harlego was here. Well, June Harlego, your cousin, used to play tenni- uh, badminton with my wife. And then my wife says, June, you have new shoes? Oh, no. I had that since yesterday. <laughs> Consumerism. You are now identified with what you have. You know, if you, you watch these award programs, these award shows, and you have this uh, uh, TV personality, right, in, uh, interviewing this movie star, uh, who are you wearing? Huh? Who are you wearing? <laughs> uh, well, this necklace, you know, and this and this. Everything has become branded. We have become so brand conscious. It continues, liberty in this market democracy has for many come to mean the freedom to buy as much as you can of whatever you wish, endlessly reinventing and telegraphing your sense of self with each new purchase. What attracts you and I to go into a department store. You're walking. Huh? It's a four-letter word. Satan always loves expenditures. What does that spell? Sale. After you, you have no, you had, you had no plan whatsoever to buy anything whatsoever. I'm just going window shopping. Are you going to buy a window? No, I'm just going to look. Not true. Because before you know it, you have bags. Oh, well, I saw this and I remembered it was so-and-so. And then I remembered so-and-so. So I also got this for so-and-so. I yet have to meet this Mr. So-and-so. 
We have, been, we have already gotten our identity, our self-worth from what we have and have forgotten that our identity should be based on Jesus Christ, on who we are, not on what we have. Now, I'm not saying that expensive items are simply expensive because of the brand. Let's be honest. Some of these branded items really last much longer, yes? They are. They really last longer. That's why you have to pay a little more, right? Now, you, you go to this store, it's cheap, but, you know, you just wore it for the first time, no more. That's why sometimes we go to these branded stores, right? Because it's really value for money. You pay a little more, but the product is really better. That's not the point of consumer identity. The point is, you won't wear anything else if it's not branded. Because that's where you get your identity from. Right? That's the problem. Now, our minefield for today is the minefield of materialism. Minefield of materialism. Let me show you. What is that? Ba? Hindi ko pa pinapakita. Alam nyo na? I think you have Rolex watches. Why do you know? Uh, this is a 1968 Rolex Daytona. Bidding. How much does this cost? If you know, do not say. How much? 40,000. 40, no? 1968 Rolex Daytona. 40,000? Higher, lower? Boy, parang price is right. <laughs> okay. This 1968 Rolex Daytona was given by Joan Woodward to her husband, Paul Newman. Now, how much is this Rolex Daytona? 100,000? 1 million? I will cut the suspense. How much? It was sold for 13.5 million euros. So I converted it. 16,441,663.50. If you were to convert that to pesos, it's very many pesos anymore. So just leave it at $16 million. One Rolex time watch. If I was wearing a Timex, it says the same time. It keeps the same time. Okay? You're getting my point. In Southern California, automobiles are a necessity. In San Francisco, because you have the public railway, not so much. Right? In the Philippines, automobile is no longer necessity because traffic does not move. Better walk. Okay? Now, some of us like cars. No problem. What is this? 1963 Ferrari 250 GTO. Yeah. 
Some of you like nice cars, right? How much? It also burns gas, by the way. I'm letting you know. How much? Two million. Higher or lower? Higher. If the price is right. This car sold to an anonymous buyer. How much? 52 million. Some of us like a nice restroom, right? Because that is your quiet place. And sometimes you like your toilet seat warm or a little cold. But some of you want to sit in a solid gold toilet. This is a real toilet. You can find this in Hong Kong because this gold uh, company, you know, they made this. How much? 32 million. If you have, if you own this toilet, you should have gold leaf as your toilet paper. Okay? Here in the U.S., it's a lot easier to buy a house, yes? A little down, they see your credit, you can afford, no problem. This guy built this house in India. The house has a name, Antilia. It's a 27-story home of Mukesh Ambani. Bidding starts. How much? 30 million. 27 stories, oh. Almost 1 million per story. How much? 100 million? 100 million. Wow. Are you ready? This is not my statistics, huh? I get this from the web. This house. Over 1 billion U.S. Dollars. No, this is just the house. You're trying to wiggle around the figures. This is just the house, my friends. Imagine. Imagine how ostentatious people can really be. If we are not careful, we will get sucked in to this idea of materialism. Materialism. What is it? This is a practical definition. Materialism. Buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people who do not care. I used to work for the Philippine Stock Exchange. I could not afford a Rolex, but I could afford a Bolex. So I had my friend, hey, you're going to Bangkok? Can you buy me two Rolex? So he bought me two Rolex. Fake. 2,000 pesos each. So I was in the Philippine Stock Exchange. What time? Ah. Oh, it stopped. So, you know, Rolex, you have to wind, right? They are not quartz. So I wound. 
I have a backup plan. I remember, I have two. So I removed it. The next day, I went back. Another Rolex. Black face. The second, you know, tick, 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 tick. It, was, it fell off. <laughs> because, fake. You know, you, you and I should not get our identity on material things. Look at this house. One billion for a house. Materialism is very dangerous. So if there is a minefield called materialism, there is an antidote. The antidote is contentment is the antidote for materialism. Read that with me. Contentment is the antidote to materialism. These people are not materialistic because they don't want to read it. Read, let's all read it. Contentment is the antidote for materialism. Let's pray. God, we commit to you this time, Father. Just speak to us through your word that we might understand that there is this thing, this enemy, Lord, that is creeping into our lives and even into our churches. Father, enlighten our minds. Speak to all of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Contentment is the antidote for materialism. So how will we define contentment? Let me share with you from the Bible what contentment means. In Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult your holy, God's holy name. Contentment. Give me enough for what I need. And you know what? If you choose this pathway and just be content with what God brings into your life, guess what? He will give you even more than just what you need. Because God will even give you the desires of your heart. He has not only promised to give you what you need, He has also promised to give you what you want. But it begins with delight yourself in the Lord. Be happy in the Lord. And once we are at that level, He will begin to even give you the desires of your heart. What is our main verse this morning? And I'm only going to share one verse. Hebrews 13, verse 5, from the New Living Translation. Can we read this? Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I have three points. First point, don't love money. Don't love money. The Greek word for that is aphilargo. Guros. Simply put, you should not covet money and you should not be avaricious 
about money. Do not love money. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4 says, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He has a nice car. I should have a nice car. He has a nice house. I should have a nice house. He has jewelry. His wife has... I should have jewelry. Why? You see what Ecclesiastes says? You see what King Solomon says? The desire is brought because of an envy of another person. Why? This person is not content. It sp springs from the person's envy of another. That's why in the Ten Commandments, what, the, what is one of the commandments? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. So, tama yung example. He has a new wife. You should get a new wife. Don't love money. Why? Look at 1 John chapter 2. Let's read this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why is it in one verse, three times the word love is mentioned? Do you think it is important? Yes. God is telling us, do not love money. Do not love the world. If you love the world, be careful. The Bible is telling us, maybe the love of God is not in you. Maybe you have not encountered Jesus Christ in a personal way yet. Why? Because you love the world more than you love God. You love money more than you love God. And anything that comes between you and God is what? An idol. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Be careful. You might even come to church every Sunday and still love the world. It continues. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Where do you see this parallel verse? Genesis chapter 3. The woman saw that the food was good, that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. What happened? Todas. She fell. She disobeyed. And sin entered the picture. Sin entered the world. And death came through sin. And all died because all have sinned. Why shouldn't you love money? Matthew 6, 24 says this. I'm sure many of us know this. No one can serve two masters. For he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both. You cannot serve God and wealth. In other translations, you cannot serve God and mammon. 
I choose this verse because if I say mammon, it's almost lunchtime, you will get hungry. You will think of mammon. No. Mammon, money. You cannot serve. See? You will be enslaved to one. So if you had a choice, may I suggest, be enslaved to God. Do not be enslaved to money. So what should our mindset be? If first point is do not love money, then our mindset should be love God and use money. Don't love money and use God. Love God, use money. Don't love money and use God. Pastor, I don't use God. Really? Don't you bargain with God? God, six numbers. Half I will give to the church. I don't need that much. I just need to win the lotto so that I will build many CCF churches. I will buy property. You're bargaining with God. So love God, use money. Okay? Don't love money and use God. Is that a good mindset to have? Just like food. You eat to live. But some of us, because of the consumer mentality, what do we do? We live to eat. Where's the coupon? Where's the buffet? And then when you go into the buffet, what happens? You get everything. You cannot even finish what is on your plate. And you pay so much. Am I communicating? It's happened to you, right? It's good that this uh, place that has eat all you can, just around the corner, you know, the waiter, I overheard him. Eh? It's a eat all you can thing, right? So you check, 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 check. The waiter is very good. He tells the customer, sir, do not check all of this first round because you're going to order a lot of other food. So start with, you know, a little salad, a little soup, a little appetizer. And then you work your way up. If, if you order all of this at the same time, we will deliver all of this at the same time, you're not even going to finish it. See? So don't love money. Love God. Second, from the verse, we have to be content. We have to be satisfied. First point, don't love money. Second point is be satisfied, be content. It is the word archeo, which means to be possessed of unfailing strength. I am content. I don't need anything else. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, if you have Christ, you are complete, lacking in nothing. So you don't need all of this. Dad, I need a new iPhone X. Why? Because it's new. How about this Nokia 5110? Does it not also receive and makes telephone calls? But Dad, 
It doesn't take photos. Here is a Polaroid. Why do we need to always have the newest cell phone? Why do we always need to have the newest car? Why do we always need the newest invention? Why are we not satisfied? You can. You can be satisfied in what you have. As a matter of fact, if you apply contentment as the antidote for materialism, this is what you will experience. 1 Timothy chapter 6. But God, godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Why? For we brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. In the book of Job, and Pastor Reggie alluded to this in passing last week, the devil cannot touch you. The devil had to ask permission from God to afflict Job. And in one day, Job lost everything. He lost everything. One bad news after the other. He lost everything. And what did he say? Naked I came to the earth. Naked I will depart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's why if you learn the attitude of contentment, you will be able to say that too. The Lord giveth, the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why? I brought nothing into this world. Naked I came into the world, naked I will depart. And in verse 8 it says, If we have food and covering, with these we shall be what? content. We shall be content. But there is a warning in 1 Timothy to those who are not content. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Money has no morality. You give morality to money the way you use money. So, what is the Bible telling us? If you want to get rich, be careful. Why? Because a lot of people have fallen into that temptation and were ensnared and tangled and they plunged themselves into ruin and destruction. Do you remember the parable of the four soils? The first soil, nothing. The seed was sown, no response, nothing. The second fell on shallow soil. It sprouted up for a while. After the heat, no more. Third soil, it was going. It was beginning to mature. 
But then what? Riches. That soil, that third soil got entangled with the worries of the world, with the riches. Do you know people who had a nice and happy, quiet family life? They did not have much in terms of material goods. Then their business begin to prosper. And then they begin to change their lifestyle. And then at what expense? The family begin to deteriorate. The relationships between the parents and their children, between the siblings, they begin to sour. Why? Because now they have a lot of money. Love God, use money. Don't love money and use other people. Don't love money and use God. There is a snare. Be careful. And be careful of this. For the what? Love of money. You see? Money in and of itself, there's no problem. The love. For the love of money is what? A. That's why I highlighted it in red and I underlined it. A, it is as D. We are used to hearing this, for the love of money is the root of all evil. No, it's just one. But it is a very dangerous one. Because we are easily in, in sna- in, ensnared, entangled by money. You know, if you have a lot of cash in your pocket, I submit to you, you walk differently in the mall. Right? Because you know, in the back of your mind, you have the capacity. If you don't have money in your pocket, maybe you're looking for a dollar bill that fell or something. There is, you know, there, there is really that uh, in our minds, you know, when you have money in your pocket. But if you don't have money, parang, Be careful. Don't love money. Because money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men in the world, was asked, Mr. Rockefeller, how much is enough? You know what he said? A little more. There's this story, I don't exactly know who it is. Oh, I want to make my first million by the age of 20. And then he made this first million by 20. Oh, sir, you have reached, you have made your first million in, at the age of 20. Are you okay now? No. Now I want 10 million by the age of 30. It, it just keeps on going up. It, it just, why? There's no contentment. There's no satisfaction. There's no satisfaction. The sad part is this. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. When we want to get rich, when we fall in love with making money and fall in love with money, sometimes, you know what I'm saying? 
you scheme. You find a way to get more money. Maybe you cut a little corner over here. Maybe you er enter into this kind or that kind of contract. Maybe you scrimp on the quality of the product if you're in construction. Why? Because you want more money. You want more income. You are not satisfied. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger, but He will reject the craving of the wicked. The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger. That's why first is we should not love money. We should be satisfied. And the third point is that we should trust God. We should trust God. Why? Look at what he says. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So if you're going to trust somebody, I suggest you trust God. Don't trust your riches. Because today, tomorrow, it could be gone. Bitcoin. Oh, wag na kayong mag-alabitan dyan. Bitcoin. Wow, $15,000, Pastor. It went up from... I came from the stock market, okay? Cryptocurrency, there is nothing backing it up. It's like derivatives. There is nothing to back it up. Unlike you were buying a blue chip stock. Okay? There is a company behind it. So what happens? Those who went into Bitcoin. Beautiful. I went in at high. <laughs> and now how much is it? Seven? Eight thousand? You just lost 50% of your investment. I should know. I've told this to you. Net in my bank account, net in my stock position. When I was in the Philippine Stock Exchange, net, meaning to say I already sold the stock, I already paid the cost, 11 million. My wife and I were already looking at buying a house. I already bought two vehicles. I already bought, never mind. We are now going to buy a house. But why? Why? Did we not buy a house? Because maybe we can make a little more. So instead of being content, I became greedy. From positive 11 million, negative 3 million. That's a 14 million turnaround. Why? You don't trust God. Eh? You want more. Trust God. Why? He will never fail you. He will never abandon you. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy. Instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Why? Because it is God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. See? God will not only give you what you need, he will also provide you 
with the desires of your heart. So long as your delight is in Him. Not in material goods. Psalm 37 says this, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. You can trust God because God has promised that you will not be caught begging for bread. Because if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God considers you one of His righteous and He will provide for your needs. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Never will I leave you. Never, ever, ever will I abandon you. For in Proverbs 10.22, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And He adds no sorrow to it. Certain riches have an attachment of sorrow. Like me, I was very sad. Plus 11, now down to minus 3. I called my family meeting. Guys, I blew it. I made this, I made that, I made the wrong error. And now, we have to suffer the loss. What can you do? I got entangled. I got ensnared. I wanted a little more. And, of course, it pierced my heart. Pierced the heart, affects my family, my wife, my children. But God is still faithful. We're still alive. We don't live lavishly. We're okay. Why? Because our trust is in God. Not on this world, not on people, not on material goods. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. If Pastor Peter was here and he will read this verse, he will sing for you. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. We forget the blessings that we have because we are looking for other blessings. Naked I came to this earth, naked I will depart. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. Don't just stop in seeking his kingdom. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Live a righteous and holy life as empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you come to faith in Jesus Christ, continue to live out your Christianity and follow him and obey all that God has given to us. Then what will happen? And all these things, the things that you're desiring, the things that you're running after, if it is for you, God will give it to you. 
Amen? Now, the Apostle Paul, he was at one time very rich, being a Pharisee. He says this in Philippians chapter 4, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. So the Apostle Paul has already experienced both extremes, from being a man of position, power, popularity, and influence, to someone who had to make his own living so that he can go around and preach the gospel without cost. He has learned what it is to live in luxury. He has learned what it is to live in poverty. He has learned to eat the good food, and he has learned to eat perhaps from just whatever the land provides. But what did he say? And my God, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, if God has promised that He will provide for all of your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus, do you think those are leftover blessings? They are ugly? They are flimsy? No. Look at what the Bible is saying. He will provide for all your needs in accordance with His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's why you can read in Lamentations, His mercies are new every morning. God does not give us yesterday's blessings today. He gives us new blessings each and every day. But because instead of focusing on God, we are so focused on the world, we are so focused on making more money, guess what? We don't even thank God for the blessing of a new day. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Trust God, my friends, because the blessing of the Lord in 1 Kings 8, 56, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel according to all that He promised. Not one word has failed of all His good promises, which He promised through Moses, His servant. Do you know of any promise that God has failed you? The promises He made to Moses and to all the people in the Old Testament. First Kings is telling us, none of those promises has failed. So God is worthy of your trust. And for you to be able to kill materialism, be content. Don't love money, be content, but trust God. Because God has promised to supply all of your needs. And sometimes God even blesses us with abundance. More than what we need. More than what we desire. That's why Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians, Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest. 
of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. I knew it. Pastor Insong was going to talk about money and tithing and giving to God so that God will bless it 10 times, 50, 100 times over. Wrong. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about this. If your hands are closed, how much can God bless you with? But if your hands are open, you'll get everything. If I had a lot of coins here and your, are, your hands are like this, how much can you get compared to the people who are like this? Maybe some of you will bring umbrella and turn it over like that to get as much as you want. What's my point? This is what Randy Alcorn says. Remember, sometimes God even blesses us more than what we need and more than what we want. So what do we do with all of this quote-unquote excess? Look at what Randy Alcorn says. Abundance isn't God's provision for me to live in luxury. It is His provision for me to help others live. God entrusts me with His money not to build my kingdom on earth, but to build His kingdom in heaven. How do you rob me? Malachi says, in your tithes and offerings. So your tithe is a tenth. Your offering is over and above your tenth. Are you with me? Randy Alcorn is saying, the abundance that God is giving to us is not for us to increase our luxury, but to increase to help others. Not to build my kingdom, but to build God's kingdom. He continues, Too often we assume that God has increased our income to increase our standard of living. But indeed, when His stated purpose is to increase our standard of giving. The problem many times is like this. Here is our need. Here is what we have. No problem. And then God begins to bless. Right? So what do we do? Oh, since we can afford more, we bring up our standard of living. And then God bless some more. And then we increase our standard of living some more. And guess what? If that's the case, you will always lack. Why? Because you keep on increasing your standard of living. Increase your standard. Increase what you have, but maintain your standard of living. Then you will always have excess. Then you will be able to help in building God's kingdom, not your kingdom. Why? Because every time you increase your standard of living, if there is a need, oi, boss, sorry, break even. You won't have money to save. You won't have money to set aside for medical bills and all this. Because why? You keep on increasing your standard of living. So learn to be content. Don't love money. Learn to be content. And trust God, because God has promised to supply all of your needs. 
if you trust this world, be careful. Because the warning is this. This world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Don't love this world. This world is going to pass away. Whatever you invest in this world, this material world, gone. But if you invest in the salvation of souls of men and women, your work will not be left unnoticed. Invest in things that really value the most, which is your relationship. First, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. That's why we encourage you. Every family discipleship group, every member a discipler. Invest. Invest because that thing that you're investing will produce a harvest later, later on. It cannot be equated to time or money because you're investing in the lives of people. Besides, this world, what's going to happen to this world when the time comes? As we close, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, The day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. In Genesis, God said, Never again will I destroy the earth through water. So the next will come by fire. Right? And you remember this? This one billion plus house? This pile of money that that person doesn't know what to do with anymore? This uh, 16 million Rolex? This 52 million Ferrari? This 32 million solid gold toilet? According to Second Peter... They will just turn to ash. They will just be burnt. Nothing will be left except he who does the will of the Lord. He, she will remain. My friends, don't love money. Be satisfied and trust God. Why should I trust God? Because God has given me His best. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him Freely give us all things. Is God worthy of your trust this morning? Have you come to that point in your spiritual life that you can say without a shadow of a doubt that I have Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, that my sins have been forgiven when He shed His blood on that cross and He lives in my heart forever? 
And that's why I can face tomorrow. Whether I am in plenty, whether I am in want, because God is with me, I can face tomorrow. Can you say this morning that God will supply my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus? It only comes if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And God the Father has already proved how much He loved you. That He would send, that He did not spare His one and only Son. How will He not in Him freely give us all things? These things that we follow, these things that we run after, if that is for you, my friend, God will give it to you. But love God. Use money. Don't love money. And use God. What's the message today? Contentment is the antidote for materialism. Let's pray. God, if there is something and someone that we should pursue, it's always been you, Lord. And Father, will you please forgive us for pursuing other things, cultivating other things rather than cultivating our relationship with you and valuing our relationships with other people. Father, if there is anyone here who does not yet have a personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ, will you speak to that person, Lord God, and tell that person how much you love him or her, that you would send your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. If, that were, if he or her were the only persons on this earth left, Jesus would still come and die for that person. And if you're that person and you desire to come to faith in Jesus Christ, just tell him, Lord, I open the door of my heart. I invite you to come into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for the payment of all of my sins. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. So be my Lord and my Savior. And help me to hook up with other people who will help me grow in my faith. Allow me to be content with you, Lord, for I know that you are trustworthy, that you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus in whose name we pray all of these things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Happy Sunday, everyone.